Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the Do Divorce Right podcast. Today's episode, today's discussion is another positive divorce story, and I'm sure it didn't feel positive at the time. Hi, Melissa. I know that we've got a lot to kind of pull out about this story and how you needed to navigate some fairly challenging stuff. But the life that you've built for yourself post-divorce, that's beautiful. And I really love that we get to share this. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Alyssa Booth is a counsellor uh, and a coach, right? And you're based in Texas in the States, but you you do quite a lot of online work and we'll we'll link in the show notes how people can find you. But Alyssa, would you like to tell us a little bit more about what you do and who your clientele are? Because I think that's a nice way to start and we'll go back to how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a licensed therapist. I'm licensed in the state of Texas. Um, and I also do empowered body coaching, which I can actually do worldwide. So that's cool. Um, and my I work with women, um, mostly women, and my goal and my mission for women is to feel empowered in their mind and body. Um, I do a lot of shame work, and as I'm sure we'll talk, I've had to overcome my fair share of shame in life as well. Um, I, I do a lot of body image work, um, overcoming like yo-yo dieting. I think we use a lot of maladaptive coping skills to deal with a lot of traumas and stressors that we go through. And so um, I want women to feel authentic, unapologetically live in line with their values um, and all that fun stuff. So I, I I like to empower women. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about shame. I mean, you mentioned it just now, and it is such a common thread for people who are Mm -hmm. going through separation and divorce, especially when they come from a fairly conservative background or there's that um, narrative around them that divorce is ugly and why would you do this? Why would you do this to your children? Why would you choose this? Mm -hmm. Work harder on your marriage. Now, Mm -hmm. let's take like lots of steps back. You were really Mm -hmm. young when you got married. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk us through why you got married? Yeah. So, um, oh gosh, I could go, I could go really deep into my story. Um, but I, I got pregnant. I was 21. I just graduated from college and I had also just found out that I was accepted into graduate school. Um, and I found out I was pregnant and it was actually from an ex boyfriend. (laughs) So, um, you know, I knew that I, I wanted to keep the baby. I, I, you know, that's the choice that I made and I was okay with that choice. And, um, you know, he said he wanted to, he wanted to be a dad and, you know, wanted to do the things and be a family and try to make things work. 
At 21, um, we're filled with optimism, right? We we believe that the world will work out to our uh, favor. Like it, it can happen. It can really work that way. Yeah. So I can understand the optimism, even for him there, in the intention sometimes not being a reality. Yeah. So I can understand I, his intention. And we were definitely young. And um, you kind of also mentioned like, um, you know, like religion and faith being a part of it. And like at that point in my life, I was very, um, you know, I was Christian and, and, you know, all of that. And so I felt like the right thing to do would be to get married and try to make it work. Um, and I grew up from a divorced family in a divorced family. And so I never knew my parents together. And I, you know, I didn't want my, my son at the time. Now I have another baby, but, um, at the time I didn't want my son to grow up in, you know, the broken family, quote unquote. Right. And so, yeah, we ended up getting married very young. I think I had just turned 23. I had like just turned 23 when I got married. So I was a baby, like, you know, I mean, at the time I'm like, I'm an adult. I have, I have all my life together, but like, yeah, I, you know, we just, I've graduated don't. college. I'm married. I'm ticking all the boxes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and I really, at the time I, I did really want it to work. Of you course. Know? And nobody I've, gets married hoping it won't work out. We all have yeah. intentions of, of creating a family for our partner, for ourselves, for our ch- children. Of course we do. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your Christian faith at the time and your broken home. Were you living with your mom or your dad or going between homes? Yeah, I grew up going between homes. Um, my, my real home base was probably was with my mom. And then I did, um, I don't know how custody is over there, but our like traditional custody over here is like the first third and fifth weekends. And so I did that with my dad probably up until middle school. And then, um, I stopped going with him um, and by choice, by choice. Yeah. And I, you know, I I was busy with school and like with friends and all of that. So I still had a relationship with my dad. I still do. Um, But I was definitely closer with my mom. I would say still am closer with my mom than I am my dad. I just want to check myself on some language. I just used the term broken home, saying that you grew up in a broken home. And I wouldn't normally use that language, except that you had mentioned it just before we pressed record. So I'm really sorry for repeating that back. That's not at all how I see any divorced family, even when you were growing up. And I usually use that term like in air quotes, like a broken, because that's what people say that it is. And I don't believe that. I I had to really come to terms with, I mean, post-divorce, right? with the fact that like me and my son, we were not in a, like, we were not broken. We were whole together. We were a good family unit because I was a safe person. I was a stable person for him. I cared for him. You know what I mean? And so I feel like we do have a lot of stigma around divorce and like broken home and, and do it for the kid, you know, all these different things that we are told and fed. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I always use I guess this is a podcast, so you can't see my my hands. But yes, air quotes on yeah. that. I, on it that literally term. came up in a conversation this morning. I was at I was at the gym, and a girlfriend said she went to a wedding on the weekend, and it was weird to her that everybody in the room she felt everybody but her and her husband and one other couple were separated and had moved on to 
other um, partnerships. And she said, it's so weird. There's all of these different. And, and I had this conversation with her and I said, look, I, I wonder if you could look at it a little bit differently and suggest that actually there've been lots of successful marriages in that room. And, you know, you could have been with someone for seven years, 10 years, 13 years, 25 years, and the marriage end and it not be a failed marriage. I said, so the, you know, the father and the mother of the bride and groom were there with their different partners and their different additional children isn't that success in a different way so you know with you just like I'm totally with you there's no such thing as a broken home there is no unfamily unit in just because it looks different it's not the nuclear one that we were told to grow up with I think that could still be very successful now let's go back to um you're young you're in a marriage you're in the Christian faith but clearly the marriage isn't working out and it's entirely up to you how much you want to share about that scenario but clearly it wasn't working for you it was not working and I think the I think what ended up happening was my ex-husband who I was married to at the time um struggled with addiction and he was also very like verbally and emotionally abusive to me and then within the faith that I was in um you know there's a lot of shame about divorce and there's a lot of like you know God hates divorce and stay together with the, for the kids and, you know, divorce isn't biblical and, um, you know, you should pray harder and God can restore your marriage and all of these different things. And so the messages that I was feed that was being fed to me was, you know, to stay in this marriage that was very unhealthy, right? It was very unhealthy. It was very, um, harmful mentally and emotionally for me. And, um, you know, also the idea of like forgiveness, you should just forgive and forgive. And so I did, and I tried to have compassion and all of these different things. But I think the reality was that I really wasn't showing and sharing a lot of what was happening behind closed doors, because I wanted to be that happy family, that happy nuclear family, you know, and so my social media posts were like, look at us and what we're doing and, you know, all these different things. But it was, it was horrible. It was really, it was really hard for me to be in that relationship. It, it really tore me down. Uh, I was in a similar situation and it's funny where people look in from the outside, they have no idea what's happening. And then when you finally make that decision that it's the healthier option to end the relationship and we we know when it's the healthier option to end the relationship and you actually have to keep justifying it to everybody else without actually telling them what was going in, or, you know, what was happening in the relationship entirely. It's really none of their business. That's horrendous. And how young you were to be, standing up for yourself at that age is, is really tough. Let's talk about the shame of it then. So you've decided to leave a very unhealthy relationship. You have a community that doesn't want to support you. How did you cope with that? What did you do to nurture yourself and your son through that ugliness? Yeah, it was so it's very interesting because my my family supported me my ex-in-laws were very um, kind of fed the narrative. I remember they sat me down one time and they pulled out this like Harvard, I don't know, Harvard study or some study and went over all of the negative effects that children have as a result of divorced parents. And, you know, kind of like as leverage for me to stay in the situation, which is, was their son. Right. 
Um, and I think that it's interesting because that part of like my faith and like the guilt and the shame that I felt made me want to stay. And I feel like I also had a very, um, codependent relationship with my ex. And so even after I left, like I still considered, well, maybe things could work out, right. Maybe I can still have that nuclear family and relationship. And it really took a lot of work in grieving that, grieving the fact that my family wasn't going to look how I had pictured it. Right. Um, And that was also sad for my son, because again, as somebody who grew up in in a divorced household, like I knew, you know, I had wanted my parents to be together until I, until I didn't right. Until I grew up and was like, okay, yeah, that would have definitely not been great. Um, You know, not been healthy for anybody involved, but you know, I, so I really struggled with that. And my son was very young at the time. And so, I mean, really the, the tools that I used, I mean, I had to go to therapy a lot. Um, I, I really had to focus on again, like that belief that my, me and my son are enough and I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose us over, you know, somebody who doesn't even want to be here, right. Who doesn't even want to be involved, who, who doesn't even really love me, who I don't even know if ever loved me. Right. So I have to feel that myself. And so, um, Yeah, I I started really just kind of focusing. I mean, it sounds like cliche, but I did. I really had to just focus on myself and it was really hard. And I think that I had to hold room for the both. And I had to hold room for the fact that I was heartbroken and crushed and, and sad and, you know, all of these difficult emotions. And I also had to hold space for, almost like my future stronger self. Like I had this vision of how I wanted my life to be. And even though I wasn't quite there in that moment, it's like, almost like I had like a dream board, right? Of like, these are the things that I want to accomplish. This is the kind of person that I want to be within the future. This is the kind of life that I want to provide for my son. Um, This is, it's gonna make me emotional. was like, this is who I want to be and how I want to be. And like, I feel like I am that person right now to this, at this time, you know, like, obviously I'm not perfect by any means, but like, I've done the things I've done it. And it's beautiful. It's really, it's hard. And I think, um, you know, having people to support you, one of my biggest support systems has been my sister, um, you know, where I can just kind of share, anything and everything that I'm feeling with. So like having the space to just share all of your feelings and and be validated in that is really important because a lot of times if we don't know somebody who's gone through it, um, we feel alone or we feel like we're going crazy or we feel, you know, like we make up all these stories about ourselves and everything that anyways, I'm rambling, but yeah, it, I guess to say I, <laughs> we can maybe, I don't know what you want to do with all my rambles, but anyways, it, it, it's hard. And I think, um, doing it for your future self, I would say is important. Okay. So there's a lot in there that is just beautiful. Um, the idea of having to validate how you feel and you, you mentioned just there that, um, having somebody to be able to share that with, it's not just about knowing 
somebody else who's been through divorce. It's also about not buying into the idea that their divorce needs to be your divorce. And so I love mm-hmm. that you had a vision of, I want to be this kind of person. This is the kind of home and family, what I want to be able to provide for my son. And it offers you a North Star then, doesn't it? It offers you something to work towards or to aim towards. And I love what you said there about both and. I, both of these things can be true. It's quite okay for me to be feeling like things are awful right now right now and have optimism that they're going to work out the way I want them to Mm -hmm. um so I think there was a lot in there you weren't rambling it was lovely (laughs) (laughs) um I heard that you had um therapy you had great support and you worked on that idea of my son and I are enough and isn't that gorgeous Mm -hmm. tell me was your ex-husband still involved does he have a relationship with your son now Um, just recently. Yes. So he's, I mean, he has struggled with addiction on and off for my entire, our entire relationship. And then, um, all throughout my son's life and he's almost 12. So I would say, I think it's been maybe about two years that he's been sober and has been pretty consistent in, in his life. So amazing. uh, What work did that require for you to create space for him to come back when there would have been so much damage? (laughs) Now, most people are listening to this, not watching, but my God, I wish you could have seen Alyssa's face for that. We might have to (laughs) test all that Oh my gosh, that has been, um, so, I mean, to be just like 100% honest, like I do not have a good relationship with my ex, I would say, or his family. Um, I've really had to kind of sever ties. And I know that's not everybody's relationship. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that that's what, you know, anybody do, unless that's what you need to do. It's just, that's what was the healthiest option for, um, for myself. Um, And that was really hard. I felt very, I think I used this word earlier, very codependent on them and their family. Um, And so I had to set a lot of boundaries for myself um, and stick with them. And it wasn't easy. And like I said, I did have to, I did end up cutting people off or cutting the whole family off, honestly. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard because I know my son and he's again, like I said, he's almost 12. So he has a better understanding of things now, but I know it's hard on him. And I validate the fact, like, I understand that you, you know, probably want, your dad and I to get along and, and that kind of stuff. But for me and my health, um, I just need that separation for sure. So let's talk about the trust then that's still required to hand your baby over to somebody who's caused so much harm. Now you've invited him back or you've created an opportunity for him to come back and develop a relationship with your son after knowing that you, you've got boundaries that are required. So you've cut off the family you've you've cut off a relationship with him but you're allowing your son to have one tell me what that work looked like I don't trust my ex but I trust my kid I've raised a really good kid I've raised a really good kid we have a very open honest relationship he talks to me about anything and everything under the sun and even before we started recording I told you he wants me to tuck him in after this podcast (laughs) so we have a really good we have a really really good relationship and so I I trust that I have done my job and that I you know obviously still I'm doing my job right because he's still growing 
I still have to be there for him. Right. But I trust that I've done the work that I need to do to equip him to make the decisions that he needs to make in his life. And so, um, where the trust is, it's in myself, it's in my son, it's in my family that I have now I'm remarried and have another, um, eight, have 18 month old. So, um, I trust that we are stable. We are open. We have a good connection. We talk about everything, you know, so that's where my trust is. It's not in my ex. No. So you're, you feel confident that if, if there was something alarming or unsettling to your son, he would vocalize that with you pretty quickly and you'd be able to work that. And he has, Yeah. yeah. And he has every single time that he's felt, you know, something or something has happened, you know, he's come and he's talked to me about it and, you know, and I encourage him to talk to his dad and, you know, have those uncomfortable conversations. I'm like, okay, look, this might not be comfortable, but you know, you need to share how you feel. You can't keep your feelings inside. So we have a lot of those conversations. That's beautiful. And it must be hard to not just have that trigger reaction of, okay, I'm I'm putting that wall back up and now you can't, <laughs> let's be really, you'd be yeah. exercising that muscle, that trust muscle a lot, I imagine, over the last two years and it will oh, continue yeah. to be pushed. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me then about you and your son have created the the life that now using your language, you've become the kind of person that you wanted to be. You've built the kind of life that you wanted and you've attracted the partner that you were after. Tell me yes. how that looked like. What did, what happened there? Oh gosh. You know, dating as a mom, as a single mom or single parent, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have dad's men on this podcast too, but dating as a single parent is so hard um, because it's not just you on the line, right? It's your kid or kids. And it's, you know, you, you have to be, or I mean, I, I guess I'll speak for myself. I felt like I had to be that much more delicate and careful about, you know, who I was in a relationship with. Um, and so anyway, I, I met my husband, um, we had some mutual friends and we met at a barbecue, um, you know, the old fashioned way without, <laughs> without Does dating not happen apps. anymore. <laughs> I, know, I feel like it's pretty rare, but I, I love pretty that rare. part of our story because it was, you know, and, and I felt like I could trust him a little bit more because I knew people that knew him, you know what yeah. I mean? And so like they could vouch for his character and whatnot, which was great. And, um, I remember when he asked me out, I was very surprised that he was, that he was even asking me out. And I was like, are you sure you want to take me on a date? Like I have a kid. I'm older than you too. I was like, I'm older than you. Like, what do you, like, what do you want with me? So kind of doubting myself a little bit. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we just celebrated our four year uh, wedding anniversary and we have 18 month old, like I said, and we have two dogs at a house and we own our own businesses. You know, we're kind of living the I don't know, American dream, if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so we have a really great relationship. And I think the thing that comes up for me, not that I, I mean, not that there's any comparison between my marriage now and my, my previous relationship, but it just, it feels, it just feels safe. It feels like a breath of fresh air. Um, it's like, you know, like when you're really tired and you just like lay in your bed and it's like, oh, like that's how it feels 
you know, just being able to have that. And I think for a long time, I was like, oh man, like, you know, am I going to find somebody that like wants to date somebody that has a kid and like take on that responsibility. And then all kind of the other baggage that I have, like with my ex and like that situation, which was, you know, still chaotic a few years ago. And so, you know, I I think that when someone, when someone loves you, it, none of that matters, right? When someone loves you and wants you, they're going to take all of you. Indeed. Um, and often the child is bonus love too. I know that my partner is so entrenched in my children's lives. He's not their birth dad, but he loves them so much, right? He's totally there for them. Um, so it's like he got two bonus loves. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it, it gets to a point where the dating pool, it'd be almost unusual to meet someone who doesn't have you know, an, an ex-husband, an ex-partner, children along with the, the the package. So that's it's really not unusual. I'm surprised to hear you say actually that you were nervous about dating as a single mom. Is that because they're like the community that you're in, divorce is not very common or hmm, that's a good question. Um I think I I honestly feel like my reservations were more around wanting to protect my son he's already kind of been through a lot of like trauma and stuff with his dad and so I didn't want to create more like um unstable unstableness I don't think that's a word but I'm gonna use it you know I I didn't want him to have um you know more things that he had to deal with and go through through. And so I think that's kind of where my hesitancy was um, in, in finding a partner. And then also just, you know, wanting to make sure that, that the person that I was, you know, I, I personally wanted to be married again and like have more kids and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, I wanted to make sure that like that person's like really on board because I felt like I'd been duped before by people saying, yeah, like this is okay. And I want a kid and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, obviously that didn't work out. And I'd had relationships before, obviously before I met my husband where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with you having a kid. And then it was like, no, you're actually not. You're like jealous of my kid, which yeah, is weird. Interesting. So, yeah. So I kind of had some things like that, but, but um, I would say that's probably where a lot of my reservations were. Okay. That makes sense. Um, again, you spoke about creating that intention and I love that you knew really what you wanted. It's easier mm-hmm. to attract and design a life once you've really thought through what you want it to look like. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of people talk about manifesting, but it's also just conditioning your brain to be able to say yes to what aligns with what you're after and weed out what doesn't work. So I can see a lot of that there. When you were graduated, I'm just like going way back to when you were pregnant, you just graduated. What had you graduated from? Like what? Um, I graduated. um, So I don't know if, I guess here we call, we go to college. So like a four year degree. So I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology yeah, I was wondering because you're a counselor, you're you know a therapist and you're a coach. I wondered how much of that, what you learned, and how much of that helped you get through. But 
but I mean, I also heard you say you had therapy and you had support and you had some work to do yourself. I wondered, did you lean on, on what you'd studied? Yeah, I, you know, yes and no. I feel like for me, I felt like I had to have it together. So I have a very like perfectionistic personality. And so I felt like I had to like have it all together to help my clients. Um, I also kind of felt like a fraud. I had a lot of shame, like so much shame, um, felt like a fraud because I was like, okay, how am I supposed to help people when I can't even help myself kind of situation? Um, it really wasn't until, mm, until I actually started teaching a lot of shame work myself, um, maybe in 2016, 2015, 2016 is when I started learning more about shame, um, reading a lot of like Brene Brown. She's wonderful, um, isn't she? Yeah. And, and all of her work. And, and so that was healing for me initially. No. Um, I would say that I felt more like imposter syndrome, like a fraud because I wasn't, I was like, so emotionally unwell. Um, but I honestly didn't really come to terms with the fact that I had been in an abusive relationship until like after the fact, I didn't really recognize that like right after I left or in the middle of the marriage, I thought that something was wrong with me because that's kind of what I was made to believe by honest, my ex-in-laws and things like that of like, you as well as the church. More. Yeah. More. yeah. So yeah. that was very much um, entrenched in, in how I felt about myself. Um, but definitely later on, it 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 was helpful to be able to do the work and kind of have a better understanding of myself. And then when I got more trauma trained, I was like, okay, <laughs> this I, is me. I too. see it now. Yeah. Yes, this is, yes, I I I this is me. I get it. Um, you know, and so yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know, it's one thing to understand something in theory. And to, mm-hmm. even to be able to apply it to somebody else. And then when we need to work on applying it to ourselves, like, oh, I see that. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah. And I think a lot of therapists will say, like, it's easier to help others than it is to help myself. <laughs> so, for sure. I think, for sure. I think that's probably true of a lot of people in the helping field, coaching field yeah, as well. It's true. I know somebody said to me recently, um, often we will hear ourselves coaching on something we need to hear for ourselves. I was like, oh, oh. ouch, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. I, that, I feel so seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Sometimes I'll be in sessions and, like telling that telling something to a client and I'm like and I'm going to make a mental note for this over here I'm gonna write this on a sticky yeah. note and save that for me later <laughs> I said to somebody recently have you paused and given yourself a moment to acknowledge just how far you've come and I was like a ding 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 <laughs> must do this must do this to myself later because we yes. do you know we just get on with getting on right and for very rarely do we stop and acknowledge that, oh my gosh, look at all that work I've done and look how far I've come. And I hope, Alyssa, that this is this discussion has reminded you too of just how far you've come from that codependency, that abusive relationship, that pressure to stay in a relationship that wasn't working for you, the healing that was required, the boundaries that you've had to put in place to be able to look after yourself the focus on you and your son being enough 
in order to attract a beautiful partner, have a new baby, you know, have a home together and the gorgeous life that you and the work that you do as well. So I hope this conversation has been a great reminder of how far you've come to. I'm going to uh, make sure we put in the show notes how people can find you, um, your website, as well as your Instagram. But do you want to let us know in case uh, people don't want to look in the notes, they can have a listen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm very active on my Instagram. It's Alyssa Booth underscore LPC. Um, And my website is heyalyssabooth.com. And you can reach me, honestly, if you can reach me on my website, but sending me a DM on Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me. It's my preference too. So much easier. And you could drop someone a voice message as a response. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just connect. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa, thank you so much again for coming on. It's been an absolutely delight having a chat with you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.